Welcome back to the United Pubcast. The transfer window is shut, but the pub is open. Because again, you're with Larry, your host, of course, and with me is Tom. Tom, I don't know why I've got so much energy today, but I guess it's to compensate for the lack of energy in the transfer market. How are you feeling? Well, transfer day was quite busy. There was um, a lot of energy expend, but um, yeah, I don't share your optimism by the sounds of it. Well, seems so. Look, I think I'm just having a good day, but look, it might be a positive, negative podcast. We'll see how it goes. But of course, as we said, the transfer window has closed. We will go through all the signings that have come in for, in fact. And But maybe it wasn't who you were expecting. Maybe it was. We'll talk about Solskjaer, the outs. We'll rate the window, uh, talk about our captain. Some people think maybe he lacks some leadership, so we'll see about that. And it's going to be a good 30 to 40 minutes, Tom. Let's rip straight into it. And before we sort of get to the signings um, who United have brought in, some reports have come out in the last 24 hours suggesting Solskjaer didn't get a single player who he requested. We said at the end of last season, it was crucial that he was backed and got the players he wanted for securing Champions League football. The report suggests three names. Jack Grealish, um, Apomecano, and Jadon Sancho. Obviously, these three players have not landed at Old Trafford. What do you make of these reports? Do you think there's any truth to it? And if it is true, do you think, before we get into the signings, that it is a concern and and much of the same? You know, perhaps we saw this with Jose towards the end. Well, yeah, I think in the first sort of instant, in regards to is there any truth in it, I think so, because there's no doubt we're after Jane Sancho. There's no doubt we're after Jack Grealish. And out of all the centre-backs out there, I think Upamecano was probably the one most likely to come in if United were to go in for a centre-back. There was talk about Koulibaly, and that was always a bit far-fetched, and Nathan Aki was obviously in and around that, but he's obviously linked with City, which that obviously eventuated. So I think 100% there has to be truth in it, because it was almost clear as day, United were definitely after those players. However, does it come as a shock that we didn't get the number one target? I don't think so. I think everyone sort of understands the problems and understands that Woodward is going to sort of make the approach for those number one targets, but will always be reluctant to meet that asking price. And he Woodward does find value in those plan B, plan C, which we have seen um, in the transfer window. Because as much as Donny Vanderbeek was a great sign and, and absolutely love his arrival, I do think Jack Relish was ahead of him. Yeah, I'm with you. And if you look at the way the squad sets up, you could argue maybe a Jack Relish would give Solskjaer and United some more versatility in those forward positions. But anyway, let's talk about the players who did arrive at Old Trafford. Um, We start with Alex Tellez, uh, the left-back from Porto. We thought that this deal was actually dead um, at a point, but then deadline day, it's announced United agree £15 million, I believe €2 million or pounds in add-ons. What do you make of the signing? Uh, Do you think it's a good good acquisition? And in fact, do you expect him to be the starting left-back come next week against Newcastle? Assuming he doesn't get coronavirus over in Brazil, um, pretty much every international footballer is coming down with it at the moment, so hopefully he returns back safely from international duty. But yeah, after the last couple of weeks of seeing Luke Shaw, and again, this is definitely not scapegoating Luke Shaw, is part of the defence that has huge problems from left to right. Um, I think Tellers does come in, as long as he's fit. Maybe he might take a game or two to sort of maybe start on the bench and maybe fit. he might feature in the Champions League first to give um, Luke Shaw a rest from the Premier League action. But um, I think he will play. And there's a chance, which I think we'll get into later in regards to the potential formations. I think Luke Shaw's best performances in recent memory 
have been at that left centre-back role. So you look at the problems we have had at defence, I think it'll only be natural for Solskjaer to have... It's a lazy argument to say, I'll put five defenders on, you'll defend better. But I think he will. I think he will sort of try and solidify that by putting three centre-backs, which Luke Shaw on the left, which he performed very well, which will obviously cover for Harry Maguire's lack of pace. And then you have someone like Alex Tellez in an ideal position for him, which is a left wing-back, because from what we have seen of him on YouTube... Is he's very attacking. Obviously, he's a, he's a fullback, so he will have a defensive side to his game. But obviously, his strongest attributes are getting forward, are creating chances, and even scoring goals. So I think he potentially almost walks into the team if we go to a three-five-two. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll definitely keep an eye out on Brazil. So I don't know who Brazil are playing, but um, I'll definitely keep an eye out for Brazil this week. Yeah, a video came out showing his free kicking ability, and I got to say, he looks like he's got a lethal left foot shot on him. If I were to compare him to a current player, would it be fair to say a Trent Alexander-Arnold mould? Very attacking, very offensive. I'd argue he's probably better with the ball, um, but perhaps defensively a little bit suspect. You'd, you, I know Shaw has been poor, but you'd say that's his weak point. Well, well I think, tell us we don't know how he will defend. He might be fantastic. If you were to look at a sort of just a plain view of Patrice Evra. He's an attacking left fullback. You'd say the weak point was his defending, especially was when he was against someone like Aaron Lennon. But overall, he was a very good defender. But we just remember the good times of him going forward, and that was because obviously you know, we're dominating games. We remember him from a, an attacking point of view, which I think so much of the eye-catching stuff Tellez does, or, or is perceived to do, to do, is in that attacking. So we haven't really seen him defend. I think we're just making the assumption that he'll be a poor defender because he is a good attacker. Um, we see Juan Bissaka on the other side is a great defender, maybe not in the last couple of weeks, but he's a great defender, but that is obviously his limitations then going forward. Um, with Trent Alexander, with Trent from Liverpool, he's great going forward, he's obviously suspect defensively. I think with defenders, maybe it's always one or the other. Yeah, well, it'll be one to see. I'm sure we'll see him sooner rather than later, perhaps against Newcastle. Let's move on to where the strange signing perhaps starts before we sort of go higher again. Um, Ahmed Traore. Tom, this signing sort of came out of nowhere. Um, At- Atalanta, he was supposed to go to another club, um, if I'm not mistaken. I, I can't recall yeah, who I it was right now. Pretty, I think it was almost like a bit, bit of a Dan James situation. I think he actually signed for Parma. Um, everything yeah. was agreed. The deal went through. But just in terms of that last bit of the signing of the actual contract... Um, obviously they got wind of United's interest and they pulled the plug. Yeah, well, United have signed him. Um, He will arrive in January because United couldn't secure a work permit due to the late nature of the signing. Surprise, surprise. He hasn't played a lot of first-team football, Tom. Um, I know he's had... uh, Obviously, he's played in... Was it the Europa League or the Champions League last year? I haven't seen much of him myself besides YouTube scouting. Um, He looks like a very attacking player. The reports coming out suggest he's one of the most bright young players who are 18 or under um, in world football. But again, not proven. Not Probably not what we needed. What do you make of this signing? Is it one where, where it's a little bit of hope for the best? Obvious, perhaps well scouted, but just the unknown? You have to put it down to that in terms of you don't know what this player is like. You don't know what it go on to perform you just have to do you do have to put trust in the scouts and we have signed gems before this one the only real question mark I have on this one is the amount of money this is a lot of money we'll get into the palestry signing in a little bit I think that was only a couple of million which that makes a lot of sense this try everyone this is like a, we're signing a first team player so I, look he might be fantastic and if the reports are a bit, it's all the scouting reports and people you know, expert opinions about him who have seen him play 
do think that he has potential to maybe be one of those you know, top-of-the-line plays in five, six, seven years' time, which then you look at it as a fantastic piece of business and fair play to the scouts. But I just look at that price tag, £40 million pound or €40 million, Euros, whatever way you want to look at it, he almost for that price tag, he you demand a first-team position. Um, and I would say he is demanding that, but us as fans will be thinking, well, if he isn't playing and we spend £40 million on him, what the hell is happening? So that was the final cost, though, right? Like that—that's oh, including yeah, well, add-ons. To be honest, I haven't, yeah, haven't really looked at um, the whole package. Um. It's a very similar structure to the Anthony Martial deal. It's a certain amount up front, um, which I believe is probably around the thirty million euro mark, and then it can go up to, uh, say, a forty-seven million. So, look, if he fulfills his potential, and United ends up paying forty-seven million, you, we all are going to sit here saying, "Fantastic signing." Obviously, we don't know where this one will end. But like we said, he won't be here till January. And that brings us to, like you said, he was a lot of money. Let's go down the other side of the spectrum. And in fact, the other side in the spectrum, not just in terms of money spent, but perhaps age. Edison Cavani, um, a well-known striker, a signing where we actually thought would have happened under the Louis van Gaal era, where he was strongly linked with United. Tom, he's arriving on a free. He's coming at the prime age of 33 years old. Is it Zlatan Ibrahimovic impact at United 2.0, or do you think this one's going to end in tears? Look, I think you have to separate the two different debates with this arrival. One, the player arriving himself, and will he be a good footballer for Man United? And then the actual business side of things of actually getting him in. Should we have got him in? Should he be collecting this way? Should he have been in six weeks earlier, etc.? But in regards to his age, the way that this has been reported in the media, Thiago Silva for Chelsea... Signed from the same club, PSG on a free. He's 36 years old. This was a great signing. He'll add wealth of experience to the Chelsea team. Fantastic piece of business by Chelsea. Cavani at 33 from the same club in PSG is over the hill and way too old. I just think the way this has been reported, I, I, I get there's a, whether you want to call it an agenda, the fact is there is against United. I wouldn't say it's disgusting or disgraceful, but it's just clear evidence of um, the way... We, the media does treat new arrivals. You saw it with Anthony Martial and 50 million down the drain. Sorry, a waste of money. From, I think it was the Daily Mirror with that article before he'd even kicked a ball. And suddenly Cavani's too old, but the guy from down the road at Chelsea is a fantastic piece of business and he's three years older. So, look, I think Cavani... Look, there'll be no fans in the ground, but I think fans will take to him because he will be written off straight away. He will be written off as a waste of, waste of money and a bad bit of business. And I think fans sort of rally behind that type of player. He said when he signed, um, I can't wait to wear this beautiful shirt. He spoke of the legacy of United. It's basically common PR, but as the naive sheep that I am, I fell for it all. And I actually can't wait to see him play. Um, £210,000 a week. Is it a lot of money? Absolutely. But... It's less than Zlatan Ibrahimovic was, and Actually, I think his first game... In terms of, and again, we won't know the complete details of what he collects every week. But when I first heard the link of Cavani coming to United on a free, I was thinking, oh God, he'd be close to on a free transfer. I was thinking maybe 350, 400 grand a week in terms of his wage. But yeah, in terms of the wage you just mentioned there, it does look like he's actually relatively cheap. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, and for a proven goal scorer, I actually don't have an issue with it. And if you think... I still expect uh, Martial to be the number one striker or the number one choice up front, but to have Cavani as a backup or even provide that fluidity now where you can say Cavani and Martial up front should you want to play with a two or even, in fact, Rashford and Cavani because he can play with his back to goal. 
The advantages of this signing is he has the strengths that our current forwards or strikers don't have. Um, back to goal, very good. Link up play, very good. But what he lacks in pace, he's an absolute fox in the box. He finishes goals, and I think he'll actually prove to be a very good signing. But time will tell. We might see him against Newcastle. United are pushing to close up or find a loophole in this whole COVID period he has to isolate for. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, Otherwise, his first game could be... Yeah, Martial's obviously been sent, uh, sent off, so he's not playing. So we definitely need to find a loophole yeah. if we well, can. Yeah. Well, what do you think of him getting the, um, obviously... Oh, I think it's fantastic. The number seven shirt. Look, I think giving him the number seven was a risky bit of PR from United's perspective or just a lack of thought or process. People naturally associated the number seven going to Sancho um, or a big name signing. I think giving it to a player on a free at Cavani's age, a little bit of a weird one, um, particularly because this deal is a one year with a one year option. And it just makes you wonder if we were to get Sancho next season, does that mean Cavani's a lock in for the number seven shirt, or even fact, is it a sign that we don't get Sancho? But that brings us on to the final signing of the transfer window. Palestri, Pastrami, I haven't heard of him myself. I know he's Uruguayan, and that's about all I know about him, Tom. Please inform me, if you know anything. Well, that's the thing. Just you mentioned there, my first instinct was that Woodward had signed a sponsorship deal with some type of pasta manufacturer or something. Um, never heard of the guy. Obviously, I don't think any, anyone is lying unless they're Uruguayan. I think you're lying if you had heard of him before. Obviously, done a little bit of research and I don't know what role he played in the scouting, but obviously was coached by Diego Forlan, who's obviously a good friend of Oligana Solskjaer. I'm not sure if that, um, maybe like that, Edwin van der Sar and Donny van der Beek, if that helped a deal get over the line. Again, look, this one does look quite, quite cheap, So, but he obviously does come into the first team straight or he's been given a first team number. My hunch is he'll play in the 23s, but you never know, he might come in. But um, I think that this one, compared to the Traore one, this one makes a little bit more sense. I think, okay, you take a gamble and see what he can do. But um, it's interesting because the high hopes were there with Jaden Sancho and suddenly this guy comes in you never heard of for a few million and he'll almost be demanding a first-team position, I think, in terms of, well, personally like Traore, he won't himself... But I think fans will want to see something straight away. Well, you know what? Should he get an opportunity? Maybe, I dare say, in 12 months' time. However unlikely it may be. Maybe that we won't be since speaking about the need for a Jaden Sancho. If that proves to be the case, I'll happily tell Mr Woodward himself he's an absolute genius. But, yeah, the jury's out. Um, speaking of the word out, Tom, let's move to the players who have left Old Trafford. Uh, we start with the most renowned, the most dominant in this list, and it goes to Chris Smalling, English centre-back. He has secured a permanent move to Roma officially. It's a good move out. I think it's one that satisfies all parties. Obviously a good player, but obviously he wasn't in Solskjaer's plans. Anything to add to Smalling's departure? Do you think it was the right move in the end? Yeah, well, look, Ideally, I probably would have kept him in regards to the player and what the the problems we face at the centre of defence. But when you look at the overall thing, I think it is good not only for him. I think it's United had to sort of make a stand. You always sort of categorise Chris Small and Phil Jones as one. You almost have them as a pair. So I think it is important to quite to move them on. And Chris Small has had ten years, but I think and I, I do I say ten years is a good thing. I think we do have to look, okay, it's great that he's gone in terms of United have got some money for him and he can maybe further his career. 
But I think the important thing to look at the Smallland situation is look back and sort of show a little bit of appreciation and respect for what he has done in the United shirt because unfortunately those 10 years, maybe the first two or three were obviously very good under Fergie, but the majority of those 10 years have come in a very tricky spot, a tricky time for the club. However, I think in terms of consistency and sort of his performances over those over that time and over those tricky periods, he has sort of done himself sort of a lot of favours and he has been one player who I think you know, will always be remembered quite fondly at United, even though he divided opinion in, in regards to his ability. I don't think anyone will ever have a bad word to say about Smalling. I 100% share your sentiments. The most iconic moments, I think, of Smalling, I think just as a nice little tribute to him, uh, there's the famous shot in the, obviously, the FA Cup semi-final um, against Everton, Louis van Gaal's final season, the shot where all the players are sort of on top of each other with the United faithful, and there's the uh, Smalling's facial expression, just looks like he was really taking it all in. Uh, and obviously, he loves scoring a goal against Manchester City, so... Um, just a little tribute there to Smalling before we do move on. And here it is. Tom, uh, we had Diogo Delo on his way out and Andreas Pereira. I think we sort of can put them together because both players have gone out on loan to Italy. Uh, Delo to... Uh, a- uh, was it AC Milan he's gone to? Yeah. Yeah, AC Milan. And then we have Pereira who's gone to Lazio, where in Pereira's case at least, um, could be a 27 million euro transfer in the option of Lazio, should he perform well? Um, what do you make of these two? Do you think it was the right call? Delo obviously out of favour at United. Pereira, lots of players in front of him. As you touched on, Van der Beek has come in. Um, right move for both players? Yeah, I think for both of them, you can't argue. I think it's good that Pereira does have that option to, or Lazio have the option to buy permanently, I think, because his career definitely is done. And while we have criticised Diego Delo. I think we might as well just have a look at him on loan and see what he does. If he does perform very well in Italy and he's sort of the right back of the season in Italy, and Juan Bissaka, which I don't think Juan Bissaka will have a bad season, but if Juan Bissaka doesn't progress the way we do think he will, um, you might as well have a look at the low out on loan. So I think it probably makes a lot of sense and no issue with either loan. This might sound a little bit nuts, but... When you look at these transfers, is there a case to say if Delo has a good season and you look at the way Juan Basaka has started, could there be a case of if Delo does perform, could he come back to United and perhaps push for a right back spot? Yeah, well, I think that's always the idea of a loan. I think maybe in United's case, the idea of a loan is from the player's point of view, he's not playing at United, so he's not going to play, so play somewhere else. But I think also the holistic approach to a loan deal. Is if you're not, if from the club's point of view, if they're not going to be playing, how can we sort of improve them and how can we monitor them, get them somewhere else, get them playing with a view to hopefully they improve, then we can bring a great player back. So I think maybe from the, the Delos point of view is to maybe further his career somewhere else. But I think United have to look at it and think, okay, let's see how he does in Italy. And suddenly if he does do well, then you do have competition at right back. Yeah, 100%. Personally, I don't see it in Delo. I think he lacks that defensive instinct. But look, I really do hope he does well. If he does well, it means United have a good headache to make. Um, and look, I think Wambasaka will improve. But yeah, um, going forward, he doesn't really offer too much. So we'll see how this season pans out for both young players. And then we come on to one who could still potentially move um, in Sergio Romero, the latest... Well, the latest report suggests he could have a move to the MLS. 
Um, but he was chased by Everton. United rejected that opportunity. His wife came out um, and spe- speaking against the club for not allowing um, allowing the Argentinian to leave. Tom, what did you make of this one? Do you think it was wrong of United to stand in Romero's way? And do you think he'll play any football? Do you expect him to be here much longer? Or do you think he'll get secure that move to the MLS or elsewhere? Yeah, I think United has stuffed up big time here. I think which we discussed in previous podcasts about what Patrice Evra has said about Woodward and what Rio Ferdinand recently came out and said about when he was told they wouldn't renew his contract. This one with Romero, it stinks from United, to be honest. I mean, you've got how much are we spending on De Gea and, and Henderson a week? It's got to be a world record for the two goal for a goalkeeper oh, and a backup it, it goalkeeper. It has to be close to half a million. So sure. Romero won't even see the bench. He won't even sniff the. He might sniff the bench on the League Cup. Like he's not getting anywhere near first-team football for Man United this year. And he has done so well for United when called upon over the years. United would have had to have taken a loss on Romero and just just get him out the door. Not in a bad way, get him out the door, but for his personal ambition. He wants to play. He knows there is not a chance in hell that he's going to play for Man United this season. And to stand in his way over, I assume, minimal money. I assume, what, he was going to go to Everton a couple of million? And United, if they're holding out, if I'm, I'm, I'm plucking this figure out of the air. Say uh, Everton wanted to pay six million for Romero, and United will say no, we want eight million, sort of thing. If, if something stupid like that, um, I'm filthy with United because he has done so well for Man United to treat a player like that. And look, hopefully he does get his move. I think there is still, I haven't really, really researched it, but it does look like you say the MLS potentially can still take players. I'm not quite sure, but I, I do hope he gets his move because he has done so well for United and to just sort of see him wasted away, not even on the bench, just in the on the bike in the training ground, um, I think that would be very disappointing to see this year. Yeah, I'm with you. And for the service he's provided particularly, he hasn't been a bad player. He's happily played second fiddle to De Gea, been pulled out of cup games which his wife did highlight i mean we've debated on this podcast whether romero has been happy to you know not go all the way to the final um when he's been the second choice keeper it's clear by his wife comments he wasn't happy about it so interesting one i I agree with you i hope he gets a move um he's done nothing wrong and he's not going to get any game time and we've already got lee grant kicking stones for nothing so yeah let's hope he gets his way up lee grant was on the bench for one of the league cup games over romero i think Ah, really? Well, there you go. We've got four top-choice goalkeepers, but yeah, anyway, that's United for you. Tom, we've gone through the ins, we've gone through the outs. Give it to me. What are you rating this transfer window out of 10? Well, like I said with the Cavani one, I want to give this two ratings. I want to give a rating for the players gone out, which we do have to remember Alexis Sanchez left and Donny van der Beek, Donny van der Beek, so I did come in. Um, we have to remember transfer isn't just about deadline day. Um, which United obviously don't didn't get that memo. But we, we do have to incorporate those two deals into it. And I think when we look at the players out and the players in, I think it's re- while we didn't address the centre-back issue, decent. I think maybe a 7 out of 10 sort of thing. However, if you look at our business and how we went about our business, I could make a case for it being a 2 out of 10. Yeah, definitely. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think it, you could... If we remove the circus, remove the... We expected to get Sancho. We had links to um, Osama Dembele. I think if we remove the noise and look at the signings purely for what they are, I think you could make a case for perhaps a 4 or 5 out of 10. Um, 
there are some good signings in there. You can say the squad depth has improved, no, undoubtedly. But I think the issue is we wanted the starting 11 to improve. And that's where, for me, we've fallen short here. So I'm going to say a 4 out of 10 for Ed Woodward, Matt Judge, and the Glazers. Tom, let's let's move on. Um, we've got Harry Maguire. We've got, let's bring it onto the pitch. Harry Maguire. His captaincy started to get questioned. You got on a heated Twitter debate about his leadership. Some people, there's there's some footage around Rashford arguing with the referee. Maguire's criticised him. This was when Martial was getting sent off. Rashford's clearly approached the referee. Maguire's sort of pulled Rashford, told him to leave it. And I guess this is the advantage of having no fans. You can hear this sort of thing. What did you make of that fiasco? And... We will. Let's. We can debate his uh, captaincy, but I guess starting starting with that point, what did you make of this instance in isolation? Look, yeah, I did go on a bit of a Twitter. Well, I only put the tweet out. It was the interaction with it which sort of sparked a lot of debate. But this incident with Rashford and the Martial red card and Harry Maguire. Maguire was criticised for when Martial was sent off. Harry Maguire was miles away with his hands on his hip. And everyone was saying, is that, if that was Roy Keane, he would be in the face of the referee. So this photo went viral of him nowhere near Martial as the red card was displayed. If you play the, That's a still image, though. If you play the video, two seconds later, he's in the referee's face. But the image that went viral is a still image from two seconds earlier. And there's a camera angle which picks up from behind the goal where Rashford is saying, well, you've got to send Lamella off for an elbow. And Harry Maguire has gone over to Rashford saying, VAR checked it, it's not violent conduct, leave it, start concentrating on defending. Now, Maguire has been criticised for saying, agreeing with referees, telling Rashford to shake, no, it's not a red card, Martial deserved to be sent off, it's not a red, leave it. That is not what Maguire is doing. He's, because Maguire, by law, in terms of the new protocol put in by referees, is the only one who is allowed to speak to the referee. Now, if Rashford gets booked for back-chatting, which with these referees very well could happen, everyone would be criticising Maguire for not being able to control Rashford. So, so Maguire has gone over and said, look, I agree with you, Marcus, but the ref- VAR has checked it. This is over. He's not overturning the decision, so shut up and get on with your job. That is what Maguire was doing. But everyone wants to take it out of context and use it as an agenda against Maguire to say, that's not my captain, he should have been... You know, grabbing the referee by the head and sort of doing an old Roy Keane style sort of rant and I just think it is so it's not even just so unfair it's just stupidity because Maguire has done the right thing and everyone is just using it because they're so upset and they're so frustrated with his performance they're questioning his leadership where they're using still images and screenshots and certain camera angles to suit their agenda where I put that tweet on um, Twitter the other day saying well I can do the same thing and put up four different photos of him having in the face of the referee so it can easily be done, and I th- just think United fans and such big platforms on, your, on Twitter in regards to United fans need to be a lot more responsible in sort of circulating images and, certain, and circulating agendas like that because it is dangerous because now Maguire is public enemy number one and getting absolutely thrown under the bus. He's getting abuse, his sister's getting abuse, his brothers are getting abuse, and all because United fans are disappointed with a, back, with a header that didn't reach De Gea on Saturday. Yeah, I mean... Look, I, I, I do agree with you, and I agree that when large platforms and those with big followings say something that a lot of people weren't perhaps thinking, it does create this mentality of, yeah, 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 yeah I agree with that, let's fuel the fire. And, the, and I guess we can sort of bring it back into this to say, you know, talking about 
um, Harry Maguire and whether he should be captain. If you look at the current United squad, let's say Harry Maguire is not the captain. Who on earth are you going to put as his replacement? There is no one else. That people say Bruno, and I'm like, I'm sorry. You can't put someone who plays with the level of risk and turns the ball over as much as Bruno does as captain. There's no one there. There's no one there to put as captain. You can say De Gea. I'd say his position's under threat because if Henderson continues to perform and De Gea screws up, he won't even be in the starting eleven. So if you look at it, let's say Maguire's not the captain. So I guess my question to you is, Tom, one, is Harry Maguire your captain? Two, if he's not, is there even anyone to replace him? Given the situation, Harry Maguire has to stay captain because if you take it off him... He's going to have friends in the dressing room. It's just natural. It's like a workplace. You're going to have people close to you. You take it off him, you give it to someone else, it's going to piss those people off, etc. So you have to keep it, uh, I think, unless he does something absolutely stupid from here on in, you keep the captaincy. The only other candidate, as you say, is Bruno. Okay, And if you want Bruno as captain, that's fine. It is valid opinion. However, as a footballer, I'm telling you, if I'm playing in midfield next to Bruno Fernandes and he tells me to do something, I'm going to say, hang on. You've just misplaced your last 17 passes in a row. Don't tell me what to do. And Bruno is a fantastic leader, but you let him lead in his own way. If you start, if you put the captain's armband on, on him and start giving him that responsibility, I'm telling you that is going to cause friction because you can't have Bruno Fernandes telling people what to do when he's making more mistakes than anyone on the pitch. And him making mistakes is definitely not a criticism of him. That's his game. His, mistake, his 17 mistakes will result in that one moment of brilliance, that match winning... Um, sort of moment of brilliance for us. So I'm definitely not criticising him for that. But I just don't see how putting a bit of fabric on his arm is going to change anything. I think Harry Maguire, while he, look, he has made a lot of mistakes so far this season, I think actually makes sort of not many mistakes, which I think you do need from a captain. And look, I don't think it's a big issue. Um, look, I think the lack of leadership of the club is a big issue, and that's a different debate. Um, that comes down to the transfer recruitment that comes down to a whole host of problems but I think Maguire as captain he hasn't really put a foot wrong you you can want better but we can only judge him on um, what he can physically offer Agreed Um, it's a hard one with Maguire I've seen suggestions that he's not good enough for United like let's not forget how good he was playing particularly towards the January period where he actually got the captaincy he was a fantastic defender and comfortably our best defender. Scoring goals, was a rock. We had a, some ridiculous record for clean sheets. One, I think it was second best in Europe at one point. We have to remember that this is a good footballer. Now, I don't know what's happened to him. I don't know if it's the fact he's played every game last season. He's had such minimal rest and he's being told to play out again. I don't know if what's happened in Greece is still in his head. There are so many factors with... Harry at the moment where you just don't know what's going on or what's contributing to this drop-off. What I will say is if he does continue to this vein of form or lack thereof, Solskjaer does have to pull him out of the limelight. Now, oh, whether he, that's... saying that nothing with his captaincy is exactly what you said. If he needs to be dropped, which I could definitely argue, drop him. I've no issue with drop, dropping your captain. God, Gary Neville was dropped every second week for Man United. So mm-hmm. if Solskjaer wants to drop him, drop him 100%. But that's not an issue regarding his captaincy for me. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think there are no clear other candidates. Um, if you need to pull him out for a couple games, I support that. And maybe it's De Gea or a Rashford who are the next in line. I'd say they're the most obvious. Um, Pogba, you'd say Pogba, but with his current contract situation and his 
form, you, you wouldn't think that that's the best option. But it's one to keep an eye on. And I think, Tom, before we do wrap up the podcast, I want to ask you, taking the transfer window into account and the way we've started, where's United going to finish? J- just tell me that. I'm sure we'll debate Solskjaer. I'm sure we'll debate the players and Van der Beek and so forth as the season goes on. But where is United finishing based on this transfer window, this group of players and the way our rivals have recruited? Look, it's weird when we were sitting here a couple of weeks ago saying we could potentially push for second and um, comfortably in the top four, where now you look at it, and not just United's point of view, but when you look at what every other club has done, those clubs in and around us, God, you look at Everton, if they win next week, (laughs) they're in the midst of a title challenge, for God's sake. So you look at the clubs around us, look, it it doesn't look pretty, and look, top four is the goal. I think that'll be one hell of an achievement if we get top four now. So if we're going to try and put a place on it, because sadly, anywhere between fourth and eighth, you think, sadly. So you're looking at Europa League qualification, fifth and sixth sort of look potentially likely for me. Yeah, I um, I struggle to disagree. Um, I think we can still finish in the top four, but i got to say, Arsenal have done some really good business. The way Tottenham are playing, Everton, and then Liverpool and City are still in there. So United definitely have some rivals for those top four positions. But, of course, we'll be back with you next week to debate it all. Oh, and before we do wrap up, we might actually... Um, we Stay tuned to our social medias because we might actually try and get out to a pub on Sunday. Um, we did something similar a few weeks ago where we're just basically opening the pub to you guys. If you are in Sydney, um, well, Western Sydney, most likely, come meet us. Um, We will put a place, a time to come have a drink, come on the podcast. We can discuss all things United. You want to debate Harry Maguire's captaincy with Tom? You want to debate Anthony Martial and how good he is with me? Come on, we're an open pub and we're happy to have you on. But stay tuned to our social medias for that. And lastly, as you always hear on this podcast, or podcast, I should say, if you're holding your phone, please give us a five-star review, um, particularly on iTunes. Um, We are now on Google Play. We're on Spotify. We're all over the shop. The pub is open to the world, and we are allowing you in. No social distancing here. Tom, anything to add before we wrap up? Um, Yes, something very important I actually wanted to add, which just popped up. Um, I think a little bit of a mention to um, the highlight of my day yesterday, not just my tweet that went viral, but in regards to Twitter, the Man City official Twitter account was suspended for buying followers. Are you surprised? I mean, I, I did have a good chuckle. Cool. I thought that was lovely. I thought you couldn't write it, could you? I mean, yeah. Well, it's Manchester City, Tin Pot Club. Anyway, we'll wrap up the pub. The drinks are down. Tom, we'll leave it there. Hopefully chat to you on Sunday, mate. Beautiful. Cheers. All right, cheers.